welcome in to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Ryan, Ben, and Corey back again today, joined by a very special guest. He's new to the Outsider Sports uh, show, but not new to the sports talk world. We got Dylan Mel here with us today. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Ryan. Thank you all for having me on. I, you know, two Giants fans had to come in and defend my Philadelphia Eagles for all the bad talk that I know that they're going to be getting today. I know I've been uh, alone on an island here with a couple of Giants fans. I sided with these guys last week, Giants over the Vikings. This week, I'm excited. I'll be in your corner as we get this sort of tag team match going on here. But we'll get to that later. Very excited to have you on with us, and we're all very excited to talk divisional round of the playoffs. So we'll start first game Saturday. Jacksonville, the historic comeback over the Los Angeles Chargers a week ago, they now are rewarded with that by having to go into Arrowhead. And it's a game that will attract a lot of attention because of this quarterback head-to-head matchup between Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars and MVP favorite Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs. And fairly so. Quarterback, obviously all eyes always on that position. But I'm interested in this game because of the head coaching battle that's going to take place. It shapes up to be a a heavyweight fight here between Andy Reid and former protege Doug Peterson. These are two guys that won Super Bowls just a few years apart and very recently. And it has the allure of a heavyweight UFC fight, the entertainment value of it. But the strategic elements and finesse of a chess match should also be present. Yeah, I am super excited to see this game. And I'm very surprised that I'm excited because at the beginning of the season, I just wouldn't have thought the Jaguars are ready for a matchup of this caliber with the Chiefs in an atmosphere like this in the divisional round of the playoffs. But you know what? I think Doug Peterson has done a great job. While I don't necessarily think that the Jaguars are going to be up to it, I think that they will be able to keep it close and a competitive and fun game to watch, especially with the talent Jacksonville has on offense. The league wants that neutral site AFC championship and the league gets what the league wants. I hate to break to anybody that is, uh, you know, living in a fantasy world where Goodell doesn't get what he wants, but it's going to be the chiefs. And I feel bad for the Jaguars that, after all this good they did, it's going to fall short. It's going to be a good game, not a blowout, but I don't think back-to-back weeks of uh, superb performances is in the cards for them. You know, I don't really feel bad for the Jaguars because they exceeded expectations by a mile. Trevor Lawrence, to me, proved that he's the top five quarterback in this league, and that could be a conversation for another day. That's where I stand with it. And they get Calvin Ridley next season. If you are a Jaguars fan, even a competitive game with with the Kansas City Chiefs is a W of a season, in my opinion. Yeah, I have my uh, written in my notes here, upset of the week, question mark, and I take it none of you guys share that sentiment? No, No, I I don't. No, I do not either. It's it just it doesn't seem I, I hate to say possible, but I I really don't. It's the same thing with how we saw Skylar Thompson going into Buffalo. A lot of things that Miami needed to go right last week went right for them, and they still could not beat Buffalo. 
even if Jacksonville has a ton of things go right for them, do you still like their chances that much against Patrick Mahomes? I mean, the guy has proven time and time again, it doesn't matter how much he is down by, he is never out of a football game. So I don't think the Jaguars win this game. But if I were to make the case for the Jaguars, which I will right now, I would say that the Chiefs have really given up a lot when it comes to the passing game of the opposing quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence has been on a roll since midseason. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, all those guys that were paid this offseason that a lot of people, including myself, looked at as, huh, that's where you spent your money? Have proved their worth throughout the whole season, and they proved their worth in that playoff comeback versus the Chargers. And I get it, Chargers are going to charge her. But if you have what, in my opinion, is a top five quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, a Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson, there's a world for them to win this game. They got to come out. They have to punch Kansas City in the mouth and they can't take their foot off the gas and need some turnovers to go their way. Now, obviously, that is an uphill battle that I think is not going to happen, but it's not an impossible feat. And side note, Trevor Lawrence throughout his entire life has never lost a football game played on Saturday. I was going to bring that up, Dylan, and I think maybe that's the one thing Jaguars fans can cling to in leading up to this game. Let's go on to, all right, that's the first game on Saturday. We'll stay in the AFC. First game on Sunday, Cincinnati at Buffalo. We're going to get this matchup. Obviously, a few weeks ago, the DeMar Hamlin injury, and that game was was shut down, and rightfully so. But thankfully, that story seems like it has a happy ending. DeMar Hamlin released from the hospital. He's back in Buffalo. He's around his teammates and just a great amount of positivity surrounding that story. And I have marked here, to be truthful, I have this marked as the AFC championship game in quotation marks. I, th- I, I think whoever wins this game, regardless of what happens between Jacksonville and Kansas City, I would lean towards being the favorite. Cincinnati has shown that they have the Chiefs number. And we've seen the last couple of years, Buffalo is just right there, right there, right there with the Chiefs. You would think, what, third, fourth time the charm here. You know, I do think that Buffalo is certainly capable and I would think favored going into a neutral site against Kansas City because they're all around a better team. What makes Kansas City better than everybody else is that Patrick Mahomes is usually better than everybody else he's playing. For the Bills' sake, right now, I do still believe that Josh Allen is better than Joe Burrow, despite the recent turnovers. I still think Josh Allen gets it done when he has to. He has proven his ability to go out there and make plays. While I think uh, Cincinnati is able to go out there and put some points up on the board with the talent they have on offense. I think the offensive line will ultimately prove to be just not good enough for Cincinnati at this point. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be able to have enough time to find his guys downfield. Cincinnati's defense isn't good enough to hold the Buffalo offense. I really do not care uh, what anybody says. Cincinnati's secondary is just brutal. When Eli Apple is your number one corner, it's a problem. So for 
this game, I just don't see any way Buffalo doesn't get out of here, especially with Corey, I'm sure, agreeing with me here, considering the what he said about the Chiefs game and the NFL getting what they want. You're right about that. They get what they want, and they want Chiefs' bills again. The Bengals' run defense can't stop anything, not a thing. And as bad as you know, Josh Allen's turnover issue has been this year, it's not bad enough where it's going to lose them this game. Next week, maybe that's a different story for another time and another place if this happens. But it's going to be the James Cook game, the Josh Allen legs game. The Bills are going to win this game on the ground because the Bengals can't stop it. And, you know, Ben made a great point. Eli Apple's terrible. I mean, that's putting it nicely. He is possibly the worst corner I've ever seen in my life. The Bengals are going to really need to take a look at themselves if they want to compete next year because, you know, you have the Steelers who might be on the up and up again. The Browns can't be bad forever. The Ravens, if they can figure things out at Lamar, they'll be right there. The Bengals' defense is terrible, so they got to really figure that out. But the Bills win this one, and I think they win by double digits. Yeah, I got to hop in here, and despite having the Bills winning this game, I have to be the person who hops in and defends the Bengals here. This is a team that not only went to the Super Bowl last year, but did something that the Bills have yet to do, and that's beat Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game in Arrowhead. And I personally right now would take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen. And, you know, this is going to feel very reminiscent of the Tom Brady-Aaron Rodgers debates from years ago. Josh Allen may be more talented, but Joe Burrow gets the job done. And to me, this game comes down to the Bengals offensive line versus the Bills defensive line. And that's where I think the troubles start to seep in for Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow doesn't get the time to be Joe Burrow. And it's going to be a lot of checkdowns for them and hoping that certain wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, can make explosion plays. And I think that they're very talented, which is why I think this leads to a shootout. I think that the Bills get a 42-38 win. But I just I don't like the idea that Cincinnati's out of this game before it even starts. Yeah, Dylan, I'll go a step further. I guess I'm lone wolfing this because I like the Bengals out of this game. Um, you look at that week 17 matchup, obviously I think half the first quarter got played, but just in that little bit of time, the Bengals just looked sharp. They looked like they knew how they had some sort of really good game plan against the bills. And I mean, the Bengals defense, I'm not going to speak on my thoughts on Eli Apple specifically, but I think this is an underrated group, especially when you can make that goal line stand. They kind of did the fumble in the jungle, won them the game last week. This is mostly the same personnel group defensively from last year that got a bunch of key stops. You think, I mean, they sealed the game, uh, the wild card game against the Raiders last year. You know, they go into the number one seeded Titans last year in this divisional round and, and knocked them off. And Burrow in that game took nine sacks. So the offensive line, to me, even with these injuries, they're about where they are now, where they were a year ago prior to moving guys around and, and bringing some free agents in. So, Cincinnati's is a tough matchup for Buffalo. And I love Dylan, that comparison you made with, with Rogers and Brady between Allen and Burrow and you throw Mahomes maybe as the Peyton Manning into that mix. And as football fans, we're just going to be eating good for the next decade. But the point stands, both these teams, they played division rivals last week and they showed that they were off a little bit and that they can bleed. So we'll see how that turns out as they go head to head on Sunday. Let's stay on Sunday. We'll talk about the first, well, 
the first we'll talk about, but the second NFC matchup that'll close out divisional uh, weekend, Dallas will travel and play the 49ers. And to me, the question marks for this game is it's all about the quarterbacks. I mean, these are two teams that are on paper, just have talent everywhere you look. And Dak looked the best he ever had. He had a career game, I think, last week in Tampa. And Brock Purdy still undefeated as a starter, just being able to play point guard and distribute the ball. Who do you guys got in this one? I mean, I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people do. But I also think that San Francisco ultimately is going to be too much for Dallas to handle. I think it's going to come down to which defense breaks first, and that's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. The weapons that San Francisco has, I don't care how good Dallas's defense is, you can't match up with them. And, you know, Brock Purdy, when you're checking the ball down to Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel, you're in good shape. So getting pressure in Brock Purdy's face is not going to rattle him it's not going to get to the 49ers plan their plan is going to be to get the ball out quick they're doing it anyway I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Purdy is only touched knocked down not even sacked just knocked down only two or three times in the first half he is going to be fairly upright I think Dallas is going to have to try to weather the storm and try to break the 49ers offense, create some turnovers, but ultimately Kyle Shanahan is too good of a coach. He's going to do what Mike, what Mike McDaniel didn't do last week. And that's put his young quarterback in a good position. NFC East fans rejoice for Mike McCarthy will be getting an extension at the end of the year when he brings the Cowboys to the NFC championship game. I can't wait to see the Cowboys win this one. McCarthy's going to get extended. The Cowboys will live in mediocrity after one lucky postseason. It's going to be great. I think Micah Parsons is just going to be too much to handle for the for the Niners. The Niners were kind of getting exposed for a little while against the Seahawks, and the Cowboys are much better than Seattle. If Dak figures it out how not to turn it over and to kind of you know get it into the hands of his playmakers, Schultz, CD. Gallup, even T.Y. has been great for them. You know, feed Pollard, let Zeke rock the bench. The Cowboys have a good shot to win this. The Niners' defense is great. Might be a little overrated at this point, but they're probably the best one still remaining in the playoffs, probably the best one in the league. But that doesn't always win games, and I think the Cowboys come away with this one. Barely, but they do, and Maher's going to actually make a kick this week. You know, Corey, I see where you're coming from. And I think that if the Niners play the same first half that they did against Seattle, against Dallas, they'll be in trouble. Dallas has a much better offense that they'll be able to take advantage of it. And they have a much better run game than in the second half. They wouldn't give as many opportunities to San Francisco. And these two teams, I think, match up fairly well across the board. Dak Prescott is obviously a little bit better than Brock Purdy, but then San Francisco's got the better weapons and both defenses are very much so ball hawk and attacking and like to force turnovers. You have Nick Bosa versus Micah Parsons, but the one spot where these two teams aren't close at all is head coach. You alluded to it. You are celebrating and rejoicing that Mike McCarthy will be in the NFC still. Kyle Shanahan is going to have a field day making Mike McCarthy look like the buffoon that he is. 
And that is what is going to lead the 49ers to a victory in this matchup. I think it's close. I think it's lower scoring than people want it to be want or expecting. I think the Niners rock out of there with like a 28, 20, maybe 24, 16 victory, but it's going to be competitive. Yeah. I got the 49ers winning this game as well. I'm just not going to bet against Brock Purdy. We, we, you know, it's not unheard of that, you know, a lot has been made that he's Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last draft selection uh, in this year's draft. And guys come out of nowhere. I mean, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but Tom Brady was a six-round pick. A couple other great quarterbacks were undrafted. So I, I say enough is enough. Brock Purdy has earned the respect he deserves. This isn't a one-sided matchup offensively. And obviously the weapons San Francisco has make sure of that. But a lot of people are saying, oh, if you make Brock Purdy make one mistake, it's over. I don't agree with that um the 49ers i think are the better team and i think they'll get the win so but you know if there's one thing that can bring giants and eagles fans together it's a mutual hatred for the dallas cowboys so at this point i'll ask that our fighters go to their separate corners we're going to talk giants and eagles this is what it's all been leading up to it's tough to beat a team three times we kind of touched on that i think on last week's episode so Dylan and I will kind of take the side of the Eagles here. And obviously Ben and Corey, the resident Giants fans, will make a case for why their team, you know, it's it's not unheard of for the Giants to pull a deep playoff run out of nowhere. They did it in 2007. They did it in 2011. But Ben and Corey, I'll let you guys have the first word here. I'll start us off, Corey. Look, I I saw a meme yesterday. It was a guy crying just tears of panic and it's saying the Eagles watching film study of the literal second coming of Eli Manning who can run and if that doesn't just sum it up to what Giants fans are feeling right now like I mean come on did you guys hear Dexter Lawrence mic'd up during the Vikings game how pumped are you to watch that especially when you see Kayvon Thibodeau in that mic'd up video Go up to Dexter Lawrence. He said, man, you're the best player I've ever played with. That's awesome. I am so fired up for this game. I cannot wait. And I know, like, the feelings and emotions are all over the place for us Giants fans because, you know what, we are a little bit worried. We know what we're going up against. And we're excited, too, at the same time because we know what these Giants are capable of. Yeah, we know what they're capable of. And uh, you've heard of the old expression, right? Good teams win, great teams cover. Well, you know, when you're the underdog, the best way to cover is to just win outright. And uh, the Giants, they were the best team in the league this year against the spread. I don't see that stopping. You got Vanilla Vic running all over the place. What are the Eagles going to do? They're going to stop them? No. They're going to be too worried about Saquon. The Eagles, you go position by position, they might be better in almost every spot on paper. I can't argue that. You know, what's true is true. The Eagles, though, they might not have the edge at the head coaching spot. Dable has shown time and time again that he's a winner. He's got balls of steel, as it is. Going for it against the Titans week one, going for two to get that win, showed you where his head is at. The Giants have an uphill battle, but when when you have the heart that they have, you know, David versus Goliath, not having won in Philadelphia in about a decade, 
Philly, who's given Giants fans so much pain and anguish over the last years. I mean, I have nightmares about the Deshaun Jackson game, as I should, because that was an an incredible display of failure by the punter, by the coaching, by everybody. But this is a different Giants team. This is a coach who knows Jalen Hurts well, coaching him at Alabama. This is a coach who knows how to keep his guys loose. You saw Jones hitting the gritty in practice. This team's confident, and so am I. All right, well, that was a cute argument. Our team has heart. Nice. Uh, You said the Giants were the best team against the spread. Do you know what the Eagles were? The best team? I'm tired of pretending that because the Eagles lost two games at the end of the year when Jalen Hurts wasn't playing, that their 14-3 and record means nothing. That their one seed means nothing. This is a 14-win team versus a 9-win team. And the Eagles destroyed the Giants the one time that they've played with their starters this season. And you said, how are they going to stop Vanilla Vic, Daniel Jones? Well, last time he had 26 rushing yards against them. And don't worry, Saquon did a little bit better, 28. They clearly have the defensive line to stop this run game. They did it before. They will do it again. Yes and no. Look, you're also seeing a fully healthy Giants team, which the Eagles did not see at all throughout the regular season. The Giants now have key players back on their defense. They have key players back on their offense. While Evan Neal has been heavily criticized, I think he has been a gamer who has been going out there and competing. And while he did have a few blunders in the game against the Vikings, for the most part, he did enough, and he knows when he's beat inside, just seal him in, and Daniel Jones is going to run around off the edge. That's what he'll do when he feels that pressure coming from that side. He will go, and he will run. He can see it. He is rolling with it. You know what? Evan Neal has been very strong for the Giants, and while the Eagles' defensive line may be able to apply some pressure, what the Giants have proven to be great at are quick efficient routes ball out of the hand it neutralizes the pass rush they will get the screen game they will get the spread game going to neutralize the pass rush and open up this running game it's exactly what they tried to do against the vikings even though they didn't even need the running game because they were able to throw the ball all over the yard this is a different giants team you're seeing than what you saw both times in the regular season yeah i want to just chime in here in regards to uh, Corey, you mentioned the the coaching matchup here. To me, Brian Dable is probably coach of the year just because he's been able to have this incredible one-year turnaround. And I'm not as invested in this game as you guys are. we got two Giants fans and an Eagles fan here. I'm sitting here as a Colts fan. I got my connections, though, to Philly. You know, we bring in Frank Reich over from that staff, and then uh, Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, was our offensive coordinator. So I think he's a great offensive mind. They have talent spread across. I mean, you look at the impact A.J. Brown had and their, his ability to just scheme this game open. I don't want that to be understated because I'll I'll tell you firsthand, watching the Colts, since Sirianni took this Eagles job, it, it seems like something's been missing from our offense. So I'll ride with, uh, I'll ride with Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, you brought up the Giants-Eagles matchup you know, earlier in the year, the first matchup, 
that was right before the Giants found their their offensive identity. You know, you're not really looking at the same teams. And what did the Eagles have almost all year that no other team in the league had? Health. The Eagles, up until the last three weeks or so, were by far the healthiest team in the league by any standard. The Giants weren't. They were towards the middle of the pack bottom. In that one game that we are talking about earlier, the first matchup, the Giants didn't have Leonard Williams, one of the one of their best defensive uh, linemen, a game wrecker. They didn't have Xavier McKinney, their best safety. They didn't have their number one cornerback in a Dory Jackson. I mean, that changes the whole defense. You also have two or three plays that change that game. Julian Love missing that pick that allowed uh, Devonta Smith touchdown, I believe it was. You have Jamie Gillen missing that punt, whatever the heck that was. You have a couple plays that changed it that, you know, adding in these three top-of-the-line players, you know, we're not talking scrubs. This is like if the Eagles were getting back, a you know, a Bradbury, a Slay, you know, a Redick or wh- whoever it is. You know, we're not getting back somebody who doesn't matter. We're getting back a big piece of our team. So this changes things. The Giants-Eagles game to end the year is more indicative of what we're going to see. That was a game where the Eagles wanted to put the Giants away quickly because they needed to get the division on wrap. They wanted to rest their starters, and the Eagles couldn't against the Giants' second and third strings. Now, Hertz was hurt that game, but he's probably healthier now. But does he, do the Eagles really change what they're going to do? This is the Giants' starting offense. Better players than the Eagles struggled with a couple weeks ago. Is Hurts healthy? Lane Johnson certainly isn't healthy. All these question marks now are coming up against when the Giants are peaking at their healthiest. The Eagles had a great run, but it seems like the injury bug might be catching up to them and making them pay for all the health they had earlier in the year. I agree that the Giants are in a better position now than they were. However, it was 48-22 to 22 last time. It's not like it was a close game and now it's you've closed the gap. Maybe this time it's competitive, sure. But what was different about Jalen Hurts in the first game and the last game? They didn't let him run the ball. And the Giants knew that going in. Why on earth would they risk Jalen Hurts in Week 18 against the bench players on the Giants? They simply wouldn't. But that run game for the Philadelphia Eagles in that first game, need I remind you guys, 253 rushing yards, four touchdowns, and they averaged eight yards a carry against this Giants run defense. And I get it. They've gotten healthier, but that is abysmal. Jalen Hurts, if he's any glimpse of himself out of the pocket, it's going to be much more different offensively for this matchup than it looked like in week 18. You know, it at the same time, it is very you're ignoring the fact that the Giants were missing two of their best defensive linemen in that game. You're missing Aziz Ojolari. You're missing Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is their best run defender. Now, arguably, Dexter Lawrence has overtaken that spot this year, but Leonard Williams has been their best run defender. And when he's healthy, he is, as Corey said, an absolute game wrecker. You're also not including their best safety, their best corner, not to mention the fact Landon Collins 
now playing weak side linebacker has been a revelation at the position for the Giants when needed. He's plugged in in certain situations. I expect him to be used this week and him to have a fairly big role. Now, what makes the Giants defense different is what you even saw as they were healthier in week 18. Because you know what? Yeah, while Jalen Hurts wasn't allowed to run, what was stopping the rest of the Eagles running game? When your entire game, running game, is through your quarterback, that is a problem. That has been the difference between the Giants and the Eagles running games. The Giants get it from both Vanilla Vic. Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley. The Eagles, it's mostly just coming from Jalen Hurts unless Boston Scott does what he does against the Giants. But the Giants, I just don't see how you feel that comfortable. This is a completely different defense. And again, I don't know. They're probably still going to limit what Jalen Hurts does in the run game just because of how valuable he is on the field, which is why he still played in week 18. I can guarantee you Jalen Hurts will not let himself be limited in this game. They may tell him not to lay it all out there, but he is a gamer. He is a competitor. He will not listen to that. If he needs to make a play that he thinks will win the game, he will go and make that play. And as well, my confidence reigns from the fact that they put up 50. We're not talking about, you know, it just being a 30 to 20 win. They destroyed them healthy. And I get it that the Giants weren't. I think this is a competitive game. We saw it last week in the wild card. When it is a divisional playoff game, these things are close. And could the Giants walk away with this win? Sure. But I'm just tired of pretending and seeing the narrative that the Eagles are just written off as they they weren't a one seed. With Jalen Hurts as a starter, they had one loss all year. And we're just treating this like it's such a 50-50 game, which I get it, Giants fans. You guys have a bright future, but this is not as much as a coin flip as we are talking about it right now. No, it's certainly not a coin flip, but, you know, the Giants have work to do, but it's not an impossible game. It's a very possible game that they could win. And, you know, not so long ago, or or actually it was pretty long ago now, the Giants were a one seed once hosting the Eagles in the playoffs. Eagles just came from going to Minneapolis and beating the Vikings as a six seed. And what did the Eagles do that game? They knocked off the one seed Giants. History likes to repeat itself and kind of change its ways presenting different forms. This is going to be one of those times where history repeats in a different form. That six seed coming from Minneapolis to the one seed division rival in a dangerous stadium to take them down. It's going to be tough. I think it's going to come down to the last couple drives, but I think the one point that was it's really going to stand out is whichever team turns the ball over more is the team that's going to lose. Neither team likes to turn the ball over. The Giants can't force any, the Eagles can, but whoever turns it over the least is that's who's going to win the game ultimately. A point that hasn't been brought up here either, and this is something Dylan and I talked about on his podcast last night, Lane Johnson is not healthy. That is just a fact. And the Giants defensive line is very strong and very overlooked. Dexter Lawrence is one of the best defensive linemen, 
not just defensive tackles, defensive linemen in the league against the run, against the pass. He was living in Kirk Cousins' face the entire time last week. Now, Jason Kelsey's a very, very strong center. He's going to need some help. And you know what? Lane Johnson is going to be on an island if he is out there playing. And he is going to have to deal with the speed and athleticism of Kayvon Thibodeau and the absolute bully strength of Jihad Ward. If you are not healthy, Jihad Ward will know and he will take advantage of it. He's not only going to beat you, he's going to make you hurt while he does it. I really don't feel as if... This isn't a coin flip. I think this game is a lot closer than people are giving the Giants credit for. And it is because of that first game. You know what? You could say, oh, it was a blowout. But you know what happens if there's one guy who doesn't do his job on the field. It's a touchdown. So, yes, if they're missing three or four key, not just starting, key, some of their best defensive players you best believe you are going to struggle because the depth isn't there. But you know what? Those guys are out there playing. The depth gets exposed because they don't have third stringers who can play. Their second stringers can play and rotate in. That's about it. The Giants are coming into this game healthy. Only Aziz Ojolari on the report, and he is questionable, so even he could suit up. So I do like the Giants' chances in this, and I do feel good about this game. You know, we spent a lot of time so far talking about Eagles offense versus Giants defense. But if we go back to their first game where the starters played, the Eagles defense bullied the Giants offense. And yeah, Corey, I know you said that they found their identity right after that. But what happens if the Eagles make them forget who they are because they are a top three defense in the NFL. They led the league in sacks for a reason. This defense is going to be in Daniel Jones' face just as much, if not more, than the Giants' defense is going to be in Jalen Hurts. And Daniel Jones had a great year, but this is a guy who has a history of turnovers, especially when he's getting pressured. And to say that that's all gone and it won't be a problem, I'm not so sure about that. To say that Daniel Jones hasn't dealt with pressure this year is just false because he has, and he has had guys in his face all season long, and he has still limited those turnovers. So you know what? Yeah, I do feel good in saying that he's got the turnovers taken care of. Another thing, well, what what did that Eagles defense do against the Giants' identity in Week 18? Because... That, that is the third string offense who, to their identity, performed and played well and pushed your starters to the brink in a game you guys needed to win and we didn't. The bottom line is we were the hungrier team that night with our third stringers. Who is the hungrier team coming in here? I think Philadelphia may not be taking the Giants as seriously as they should. And it starts with their fan base. Yeah, Jones was the second highest pressured quarterback in all of football this year. Jones was under pressure on on an insane amount of dropbacks. He played great. Now, part of that is 
when his first, second, third read's not there, he takes off and runs, which is not something he did against Philadelphia. He said he had 26 rush yards, but he there weren't any designed runs against Philly. There's going to be designed runs against them now. Jones didn't take off and run when nothing was there that game. That was a game where Kenny Galladay had one of the highest amount of wide receiver snaps on the Giants. Isaiah Hodgins barely played. Things change. The Giants know where they're going. The Giants are going to sit. They're either going to get the ball to Barkley in the flat or a screen. And if the Eagles take that away, that'll just leave a lane for Jones. And if they want to take them both away, there's Richie James waiting up and waiting up in the uh, you know in the in the slot by, with a slant route. The Giants know what they're doing. The Eagles they don't change their looks up as much, and that's the one thing that the Giants defense to the Eagles offense. Wink Martindale is going to look to confuse Hurts. And we saw that week 18. Show man, go zone. Show zone, go man. Show show seven, send four. But you don't know which four. It's a completely different. This is, it's almost like these two teams are playing each other for the first time with how things have changed. And again, we really don't know what Jalen Hurts is health-wise. He's going to force himself but what happens if he takes one hard hit knocked out of bounds? Does he get tentative like we've seen Dak Prescott do? Dak liked to move too until he got hit hard. How does Jalen Hurts react to that, refeeling that pain that sent Gardner Minshew in there for three weeks? It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun, fun game. All right, so divisional matchup in the divisional round. We know, I think we're all anticipating this being a close game. But I like the Eagles to squeak one out here. I'll say... If I put a score on it, 27-23. You know, I I definitely have a different score for Dylan's podcast, so I'm going to apologize about that. But, you know, I really do feel good about this game for the Giants. I'm pretty sure I said like 31-28 or 31-29 on Dylan's podcast. I'm going to go 35-33. I do think this is going to be a very close game. I do think the offenses are going to really figure things out by the second half, and I think it's going to come down to which defense can come up with a stop late. I can't believe you've done this to me. That's the exact score I was about to say. 35-33 with the late field goal to win it. That's tough. Yeah, I'm not going to change it because that's that's kind of where I feel. It's going to be a – a long field goal to win it by Gano. It's gonna be. It's gonna come down to a final drive. It's just. It's gonna be a close game, and it's gonna be one that you know is gonna end up being the uh, the best game of, out of all four of them. Reverse Jake Elliott, big time. So my prediction, I think it's a little bit low, lower scoring than you guys have predicted. I do think that these defenses both do get to shine. I think that the Eagles' offense is a little handicapped. We're not sure what we're going to get fully. And I do think that the Eagles do have the sauce to stop the Giants run attack, despite their identity being found. But I think that the Eagles score a late touchdown, are able to run the ball, especially in the second half, and win this one 27 to 17. All right, one thing's for sure. It'll be a great game. I think all four, I mean, we were we, we made out good wild card weekend. Really, just Dallas and Tampa was the only questionable game. Very entertaining weekend. Hoping for another entertaining weekend of football. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. <laughs>